Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's two years ago in spring training, and he and his wife were roping cattle, which is what they do. 1-1 one, one pitch. Sinker low, ball two, two and one. And they were startled by a large snake. And Madison thought it was a rattlesnake, so he grabbed an axe and he hacked the snake to pieces. But there's something more to the story. Two one pitch. Low, ball three, three and one. When his wife Allie and an expert field dresser examined what was left of the snake, she found two baby jackrabbits inside pieces of the snake and extracted them. 3-1 pitch to Turner way inside ball four. And after she extracted them a short while later, the Bumgarners noticed that one of the rabbits had moved slightly. It was alive. Well, his wife brought the rabbit back to their apartment for the next few days. They kept it warm, bottle nursed it, and the rabbit soon was healthy enough that they released it into the wild. And Madison said, just think about how tough that rabbit was. First it gets eaten by a snake, then the snake gets chopped to pieces, then it gets picked up by people and lives. It's all true. Meanwhile, line drive base hit to center by Hendrick, and the Dodgers are in business first and second and nobody out. So I guess really the morale to the whole story about the rabbit and the snake, you've got to somehow survive, you've got to somehow battle back. A lesson well taught for all of us. Just incredible stuff from Vin Scully there, and and that's that's what made Vin Scully Vin Scully. I don't need to lecture you on that, but his ability to call every bit of what was going on in that at bat against Justin Turner, while also relaying one of the more peculiar stories. How did he acquire that knowledge? That's what I'd like to know. And for a little more on the life and, and legacy of Vin Scully, we're joined by our NHL insider John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's he or cooling you need. Get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy heating and cooling. John, you were working deep in the broadcast industry at the time when Vin was probably at his peak. What was your initial reaction when you heard the news late last night? Well, I'll tell you what, even though he hasn't done a game since 2016, uh, Brendan, I would tell you it was, it was shock and sadness that... Uh, Scully had passed away uh, simply because he left such a huge impression on all of us for all those years he did baseball. Uh, I do not remember the Brooklyn Dodgers, but certainly his time with the LA Dodgers and then on a national basis. Uh, you know, Scully was, in my, in my opinion, and for I think for many, the voice of baseball. And when you heard his voice, you knew something special was going to happen on the diamond. He was just different in the sense that 
You know, baseball, I think, is often thought of by those who aren't necessarily hardcore sports fans as a game that's pretty tough to just sit and especially to watch it on TV, let alone, you know, to be at the ballpark, I think, is different and a lot easier to enjoy and perhaps a lot more social. It was almost like Vin brought an element of, of so, that social atmosphere to the television broadcast with the way he could relay those kinds of stories. Well, even the way he started every broadcast, uh, Brendan. Hello, friends. Uh, and that's what you thought you, that's who you thought you were listening to. You were listening to a friend tell you stories and, and wax poetic about the game and about the people in the game. Uh, you, you know, it's amazing. You asked, uh, you asked in your introduction, how would he find out a story like that? Baseball still, uh, is is one of those sports where you you have access to players on a regular basis uh, you around the batting cage in the clubhouse um, and and I would suspect uh, with every game that Scully did over the years um, players would gravitate to him as opposed to the other way around and so you would you would be able to create relationships with players and obviously he was the friendly type and, and would, would create a, a relationship with Madison Baumgartner, create a relationship with, you know, Dodger greats, you know, like Steve Garvey and Ron Say and Davey Lopes, uh, and, and, be part of, and, and be part of the fabric of the, of the team and part of the fabric of the game. Did his first broadcast April 18th of 1950 and signed off in October of 2016. Just an outstanding career. Is is there any comparable, really, when you think about him in terms of... I, I just, I don't know if Foster Hewitt would really be that kind of a comparable. Is there for Vin? No. No. There isn't. Um, you know, Foster... Um, Foster got acclaim because he was the first. Scully wasn't the first. You know, there were great announcers before Scully, and, and he, you know, he listened and learned from the greatest in, in, in Red Barber and, and, and Mel Allen. Um, but Scully, uh, he, he cut his own swath across broadcasting and across baseball. Foster was different. The one thing I... Here's, here's the one thing... I would say about Scully that doesn't get said enough is that he understood the moment better than anyone. He understood when to speak and when not to speak. And that is an art because we are in an industry and we're all guilty of it at some point is we think what we say is really important to the outcome of the event. And it's just not true. Scully understood his role, understood what his role was to be for the fan, to be that conduit between the, the events going on on the diamond uh, and the person at home, whether it be on radio or television or in your car on radio. So from that perspective, he, he better than anyone knew his place in the game. And that, that was an art. Uh, all you have to do is go back and look at Kirk Gibson's home run mm -hmm. uh, to to know and to understand when to speak and when not to speak and when not to rob the event of pure emotion. And he did that magnificently that night in 1988.
The crowd can generate those shivers just as the broadcaster can. Uh, you know, talk about storied careers, and and we we move from the diamond back to the ice surface. And and how many times have we gone over the life and, and story of Kevin Lowe, John? But here we are, finally, supposedly having reached the end of his his forty plus year career with the Oilers organization. And I was saying off the top of the show, I mean, in terms of of having your first overall draft pick, not only compete the way that he did on the ice, but continue to be in the fibers of the organization the way that Lowe has been all right through and, and continuing on as a member, you know, uh, as an Oilers ambassador, shall we say, for the next chapter of his life. This is about as much a home run first ever draft pick as you could hit when you back the scope out, isn't it? Without a doubt. Uh, you know, and when you consider um, when they drafted him uh, 21st overall, the, the last player drafted in that first round in 1979, uh, but he, you know, he, he came as a captain of a junior hockey club. So you knew he was appreciated by people at that level. Uh, his leadership skills, his passion for the game, his tenacity for the game. I mean, there was no coincidence that his nickname for his playing time in Edmonton was Vicious because he would take no prisoners. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I, I, I got to know Kevin uh, so many different ways uh, from those early playing days when I was... Uh, you know, a cub producer, and he was a a, a teenage hockey player, um, and saw him grow and mature, and saw him win six Stanley Cups. Uh, and in many ways, I, I think that the, the ultimate compliment would be to to say that Kevin Lowe has become to Edmonton what Jean Beliveau did in Montreal, uh, and that's what Kevin would always probably tell you would be a humbling experience to be compared to Beliveau. You know, to be that ambassador, to be that that connection to the past. Uh, you know, and let's face it, Kevin went through some tough times in Edmonton when he returned as coach and when he re- and, and 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 took over the management and and the public outcry at times. Uh, but his professionalism, uh, his again tenacity to to stick through it, uh, to be able to identify what needed to happen uh, in those days. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, his role in 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 helping uh, build Rexall Place should never be forgotten. Kevin Lowe, uh, as the press release said yesterday, uh, Kevin Lowe once an oiler, always an oiler. Uh, and I know we put Wayne and Mark at that top of the list, but there's no doubt in my mind that Kevin Lowe should be that. This should be one of the faces on the Mount Rushmore for the Edmonton Oilers. And when you consider now that he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, it's a tremendous, tremendous career that in one way or the other I don't think is over yet because we're going to see him at the arena a great deal. Yeah, certainly. We're chatting with our NHL insider, John Shannon, uh, reminiscing here a career of Kevin Lowe. And, and again, it's something that just as, as the Edmonton Hockey Show has been addressed so many times, but he when you're able i think to transcend like you said into not only the players category but you essentially could be a builder a, a hall of famer for this oilers mm-hmm. franchise as well 
is there something to be said about the stability that he provided? Because it, to me, there was a couple different eras, whether it be the, the mid to late 90s or whether it be 2010 through whatever, 2016, 17, you know, and, and here he was in some capacity, essentially every step of the way. He's the de facto team historian because he's been through every last lick of the ups and the downs. Yes, you know, and, and, and I mean, and, and, and learn from one of the best in Glenn Sather uh, on how to manage these situations. Um, you know, Kevin learned to take that step back and become that sober second thought of, uh, of, of what and how important uh, things would be. Uh, for an oil, for an Oiler player, for an Oiler coach, a manager, and an Oiler fan, um, and he became someone so approachable on the street uh, for 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 many Oiler fans that I think that that was part of what it what it meant. You, you, you know, I mean, it's uh, it, it's one of those ones where you 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 look at at at, at greatness and you go beyond what he did on the ice. And you you see the dimension that he created for this franchise on so many different levels, that it becomes something that I think that uh, should be revered, and 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 Oiler fans, even though with that bumpy spot in that in that time, uh, to know that Kevin Lowe was a, a passionate Oiler, uh, a passionate believer in hockey in Edmonton, um, and has now uh, gone to a point where he can take a step back and enjoy. Life with Karen and and his family, uh, and and still be part of the Euler family, I think is just absolutely tremendous. Yeah, and I think collectively the Oilers community has to be happy for this next chapter and being able to watch uh, Keegan play overseas and have the grandkid around and that sort of thing. So it puts a big you smile know, the, on the my face. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing, uh, I remember back to '84, uh, and and we all talk about the great goal that Mark Messier scored. Um, I believe it was in Game Four that really t- turned the tide uh, of the ser- series. A lot of people said, but Kevin scored a huge goal in in a prior game at home in Game Three. Uh, made a move from the point into the slot, backhand pass Billy Smith, that really really changed the tempo of that game, and then. The Oilers had had three straight home games, but that low goal was was as important a goal uh, in the Oilers reaching that first Stanley Cup as any goal uh, in that series. And to me, that's a that's a, something that we don't talk very much about. We always talk about Kevin Lowe as a player, as a competitor, as you know, a leader, as a stalwart on the blue line. But we don't ever talk about some of his offensive skills. And it was one of those simple little goals that he scored that was a big part of that Oiler first Stanley Cup. John Shannon is our uh, NHL insider, and uh, there isn't a whole lot of NHL news to talk about these days, John. I see Andrew Maggiapani got a three-year contract extension there. Calgary keeping a piece of, of last year's core together. Uh, maybe we'll start with a, a thought on that and then a couple of quick free agent questions. But overall, I mean, something that Calgary probably had to do in, in getting their 35-goal goal, uh, goal scoring winger done. Yeah, I, I, I suspect it would have, well, it was going to get done one way or the other. It was either going to be done this way and, and get three years out of it, or it was going to be a single year in arbitration. 
Um, you know, and I and I I think there was a little more pressure on the on the club uh, to get Mangiapane signed uh, quickly with the loss of of you know Kachuk and and Goudreau. So I think from that perspective, it's it, it, what it really what really happened in many ways was that Mangiapane was uh, he was the uh, the benefactor of the other two guys leaving. Um, you know, and this is a guy. It, it, his numbers are impressive. His numbers, um, you, you know, when you think about his size, and, and he actually followed Goudreau into Calgary, and the Flames were not afraid of 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 the lack of his physical ability to to to, to play. Uh, he's been he's been a valuable player for them, and in, in many ways, I think his role might him increase. Uh, with Daryl Sutter behind the bench this year and, and him in the lineup for at least three years. I've been in Europe for the last 10 days. Nazem Kadri oh, hasn't good signed, for you. has he? Thank you. What, what are you doing in Europe? Sorry, you uh, you what is that holiday stuff? What is that? I, you know what? It's Options are few and far between, so we, <laughs> my girlfriend and I went for it. It was my Fantastic. first time in Europe. Went to Italy. Nice and warm over there, but uh, I was very unplugged from things. So I see John Klingberg has linked up with Anaheim for a year, and we still don't have a home for Nazem Kadri. No, uh, although you know you have to think that uh, you know Darren Ferris, the agent for Kadri, uh, has a couple of irons in the fire and is just trying to make sure that where where he's talking, whether it be in Colorado, whether it be on the island, uh, people are trying to manage cap issues. You, you know what? You know the ten days you were away, the cap didn't grow very much, you know, <laughs> if at all, Brendan. Uh, so teams are still struggling. There are 12 teams over the cap right now, and they're allowed to be over the cap by 10% uh, through the summer months. Uh, so from that perspective, I suspect that the domino will fall the moment somebody like Chris McFarlane in Denver or Lou Lamorello in, on Long Island can find a way to move some dollars out. Uh, the Klingberg one was an interesting one because I had heard, and I mentioned with Cam a couple of weeks ago, uh, that uh, there was some dissatisfaction with his agent. And so he changed agents uh, and went to Newport Sports here in Toronto uh, and Craig Oster, and uh, they were able to put something together. It's not the six- or seven-year deal that he was looking for and the $8 million he was looking for, uh, but he did get $7 million for one year, and I, I suspect uh, once the, the Ducks can... Uh, get a better idea of what Klingberg can add to this team uh, after the All-Star break, they can negotiate a long-term deal. He seemed like the type of player who really just ended up losing out when they drafted Miro Haskin in, in a very similar skill set because Klingberg was a very productive player in Dallas for a while and you would think that there would be uh, perhaps more of a market, but I guess if he feels he's valued up over $7 million, that really hampers the market. Well, it, 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 you know, it, the unfortunate point for players that are unrestricted free agents in, in the post-pandemic flat cap world is that, you know, they're not going to get the dollars that they think they deserve. You know, I think Nas is in that issue, and I think that Klingberg uh, fell victim to that. I mean, Dallas wanted him back. There's no question. Dallas wanted him back, but he, they had to fit him in under the, under the cap. They had to fit him in uh, at, at a number that was team friendly, 
And you know, when you're a, when you're a professional athlete and you have a finite timeline for your career, you want to make as much money as you can. So that was a risk that, that Klingberg took, uh, and we'll have to see if the risk eventually will pay off for him. John, we appreciate your work always on your team-friendly deal here with Oilers now. No, no, the key word is very. Very. Very, (laughs) very team-friendly deal. Thanks, John. (laughs) Cheers. John Shannon, our NHL insider. Reminder that our friends at Brent Ridge Ford, they've got a few different vehicles. i got to tell you about some pre-owned Jeeps, Honda CRV, a Toyota RAV4. you got a Hyundai Santa Fe and some options from Chevy, GMC, and Buick as well. Of course, they boast a selection of quality used Ford products for sale as well. Brent Ridge Ford is your Ford truck authority on the auto mile in Wetaskiwin. Give Uncle Milt, Rich, or Johnny a call, one 877 77 36 73 and remember cars cost less in Watasca win <laughs> we'll send it to break right now back to wrap up the show after this Bob returning next week at least as far as I know until then you're stuck with me it's Brendan Escott here reminding you that the Oilers now injury report is brought to you all season long by James H Brown injury lawyers unrivaled experience unrivaled commitment and unrivaled results how about these results at the Holinka Gretzky just moments ago Czechia beating Team USA they advanced to the semis USA now playing in the fifth place game on Friday. Canada and Sweden squaring off tonight down in Red Deer, but obviously that'll be to set up something a little more significant than the fifth place game. So disappointing result for USA. Royal Pizza is pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years now. A menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton and area locations available online, royalpizza.com or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. On this very day here in Oilers history, back in 2005, they acquired Mike Pekka, did the Oilers, from the New York Islanders in exchange for Mike York and a conditional pick in the 2006 draft that turned into Kevin Montgomery. Pekka played just the one season here in Edmonton, as you probably remember, and yeah, he helped them reach the cup final in 05-06. 11 points in the playoffs that year. Not as effective as they would have hoped that he would have been in that regular season. Off he went afterwards uh, to Toronto. Do I have that right? I'd have to double check. Anyway, tonight on 6.30, Chad, inside sports, Reed Wilkins is in the big chair. He's going to have Edmonton Elks linebacker Jordan Reeves and BC Lions receiver Lucky Whitehead. Yes, the Elks and Lions squaring off on the West Coast on Saturday evening, an 8 o'clock kickoff. I'll have the pre- and post-game. Morley and Dave have the call of that one. Reads up tonight at 6. Tomorrow, hoping to have a couple guests on to talk about the Flames and what's going on with Hockey Canada. We'll work on that. Keep it tuned to Twitter. We'll tell you there. In the meantime, we've got a global news weather traffic update with Evan Cook coming up next, followed by Rob uh, Rob Breckenridge, that is, from 2 to 3, and then 6.30 Chet Afternoons with guest host Ted Hanley. It's Brendan Escott here, and it's always a pleasure. So long from the 6.30 Chet Studios.